So I'm going to read you a couple of passages from the scriptures, Ephesians chapter 2, and the first 10 verses of Ephesians chapter 2, and then we're going to flip over and read a few from Romans 6, Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. He's speaking to believers, as for you, verse 1 of chapter 2, as for you, this is us, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it's by grace you've been saved. Through faith, and this not from yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Wow. And uh, just read a few verses in Romans chapter 6, Paul speaking to the church in Rome. He's speaking to them about what it means to be baptized in water uh, and how that baptism for followers of Jesus um, uh, adds us into the life and the death of Jesus. Verse 4 of chapter 6, we were therefore buried with him, with Jesus, through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Lord Jesus, we come to you now. We thank you for everything you've been speaking into our hearts. We thank you for those tremendous stories that stir faith in the hearts of each one who hear them. And we ask you now, speak to us as we uh, open up your word over these next few minutes and do wonderful things, we pray, in this church community and across churches uh, throughout Crawley today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So these scriptures teach us that you and I were dead. That's what we were. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, the scriptures are very clear. I'm telling you the truth from the Bible that we believe this morning, that this this state of death is your present state. Yeah, yeah, we're alive. You're alive right now. You can pinch yourself. Uh, But the Bible says, no, we were senseless. We were ignorant of the fact that outside of Jesus Christ, we were not truly alive. 
Indeed, more than just not being aware of him, it says we're under a sentence, that uh, Ephesians passage. This was not the life we were made for. We're made in the image of God, made for a relationship with him. And, and, and this life of ignorance has consequences. Whether you're ignorant of it or, or deliberate, uh, Will was saying it, there was some deliberate action as he chose to leave uh, his upbringing uh, and, and following Jesus behind him for a while. Whether it's direct rebellion or whether you're in complete ignorance, we're in independence towards God and that leads ultimately to a true death, the scriptures say. Yeah, a life outside of Jesus Christ and his purposes now. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, you may say, well, that's not so bad. I'm having a good life. But yes, also an eternity separated from God because of our rejection of Jesus Christ. So we were dead in our sins. Ephesians tells us all of us were dead in our sins. In fact, it's worse than that. It says we were under Satan's control. We were unable to resist the pull and the craving of sin's power. We've got Easter eggs on the piano in our little sitting room at home. Uh, in our house, we're supposed to leave them till Easter Sunday. They've always been the rules ever since I was a child. I've got kids that have moved back from Holland and come home from university for Easter. I don't know what's happened. Just because they're adults now, the Easter eggs were open on Good Friday. What's going on? They can't resist the lure and the pull of chocolate. And in the same way, Ephesians tells us we were under Satan's power. His every command. Uh, we just cave in as soon as he says, come, do this. It starts in our thought life. You look at the egg. I'd like that chocolate. It starts in our desires and it ends in our actions, our behaviors, our words, our attitudes. The scriptures tell us we are truly uh, dead and truly under judgment. Many great preachers have preached from verse 4 of Ephesians 2, but God because of his great love for us. But God. It's a, it's a glorious pivot point in this story of salvation. God has done something. God has broken this cycle that we're stuck in. We've not done it. We're dead. Dead people can't do anything. But he has made us alive out of his rich mercy and love for us. It's all his work. We can't boast in it. And what is this work of saving that he's done? Well, that's where the Romans passage helps us. Uh, the Bible tells us we've been placed into the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We go down into death with him. We leave our old life under the water, uh, in the grave. We, we leave our old life that was under the command of sin and death. We leave it down there and we rise with the resurrected Jesus Christ in his power, into a new life in him. Yeah, you're right to shout a hallelujah. It's a wonderful truth. And we're not just awakened and left kind of stumbling around in the daylight on our own, wondering what to do with ourselves. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead brings us right up and out of our old life and begins to bring us into a new freedom and a new life in Jesus Christ. So this passage we've read in Romans teaches us that if we identify ourselves as having died with Jesus Christ by giving our lives to him, then we get to identify with what it means to truly be alive in Jesus Christ. I love verse 8 of Romans 6. I'll read it again to you in case you missed it earlier. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. And carrying on, for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Essentially, 
We're saying, Jesus, if you walked out of the grave, then I'm going to follow you and walk out of the grave too. Both of these passages go on to teach us that, that for those of us who are alive in Jesus Christ, then our relationship with sin and with death has changed forever. We're lifted up to live with a new purpose and call for Jesus. Uh, the end of that Ephesians passage tells us we are God's workmanship. We're transformed. We've been created in Christ Jesus, not just to survive as Christians who really look like they're still half dead. This is not some kind of zombie Christianity movie we've got caught up in. No, no, we've been created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared. Or if you read behind that word prepared, planned, scheduled, assigned. God has good works that he has assigned in advance for us to do. I'm here to say to you today, church, what are we waiting for? Let's follow him out of the grave and into the assignments that he has for us in his kingdom. Whether you're a follower of Jesus who, like me, just needs to live more like it, or whether you're here listening to these gospel stories this morning as someone who wouldn't yet call themselves a Christian, I'm here to tell you today this news is for all of us. We've died with Christ. We've been raised with Christ. We get to live for Jesus Christ. As we've been singing in the songs, we're raised and living with him now and we get to live with him forever when the last trumpet sounds. We're either going to walk up out of the grave if, if uh, we've died before Jesus returns or we're going to rise up to meet him in the air as he comes back. Death has died. Every Easter Sunday that we celebrate is, is like a funeral to death. Again, you may say, no, it isn't. Amy's courageously shared this morning. Wow, someone's died in my family this week. I'm aware of three people just in this little church family who have friends or family members who have, have died in the last two or three weeks. Are we deluded in saying death has died? Are you just, you know, as far as we're aware, the death rate is still hovering around one per person. I think that's how it's fixed right now. Are we a bit mad saying, oh, Easter is a funeral to death? Is it one of those things Christians say, but then we go home and mourn? No. Every funeral I've ever done in my life, I've declared from 1 Corinthians 15, where, oh, death is your sting? I've declared that when there have been people in front of me saying, hey, there it is, mate. It's in the box. It's about to go through the fire of the crematorium. But I know this. I know that I'm going to die unless Jesus returns first. But the gospel tells me that the power and the authority and the control and the consequences of death outside of Jesus have been absolutely decisively killed forever. Hallelujah. And disciples, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is just how we have to read the Bible. Whatever you feel right now, whatever grief you're going through right now, however much in turmoil your emotions may be right now. And this stuff is hard for some people to hear on Easter Sunday who are going through grief right now. But we apply the logic and the truth of the Bible to our minds. We bring ourselves into alignment with it. We renew our minds and we tell ourselves this morning, if death no longer has mastery over Jesus and if I've also died in Jesus Christ, then the mastery of death has also been broken in my life. Amen? Death doesn't win. Yet there's no grave that will hold me. I'm walking out by the power of the risen Jesus because his promises tell me that I will follow him. Love the old uh, hymn, Amazing Grace, one of the verses. Um, the Lord has promised good to me. 
His word, my hope secures. Again, we need to get the word of God into us because it produces hope, which brings us security, even though we go through all kinds of griefs. There's hope that comes as we count ourselves. Paul says, reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. I've got two simple applications for us this morning before we pray and come to the table. First of all, uh, we're saying, come to Jesus Come and die to your old life and pick up the new one, live for him. And then secondly, take up your assignment, disciples of Jesus Christ, as you truly live and reign in life. As people who have died in this biblical sense, I think we've got a tremendous message. Heard some stories this morning. We've got an incredible message for the world around us. It's driven by fear right now. Fear in politics. People... um, anxious over conspiracy theories and wars and uh, climate change which seems to worsen with the news every week terrorism anxieties over brexit the economy house prices disease i'm probably ticking all your boxes there may be more this morning there are loads of pressures externally on us and on the world around us pressures from the world there's self-imposed pressures, stuff, consequences of sin in my own life from the own stupid mistakes that I've made. Never mind pressure from the enemy, the devil, uh, and all the anxiety that he can bring to my life. But if death, the greatest enemy, has died, and if I really can die to death's power and control, then I'm free to really live. I think that's a powerful message for a world that's under all kinds of anxieties. Paul said, to live is Christ. To die is gain. Even even death is part of the good news of the gospel if you're living for Jesus Christ. What, What can hold me if the chains of death have really been broken? I'm free to choose Jesus. I'm free to live for him. As we've heard in the stories this morning, expressed it in their own words, but free to completely give myself to Jesus Christ and to his greater resurrection purposes, to make him known to advance his cause. So let's look at some of this application for this morning. And as I say, it's twofold. I guess one, one part, the first part is internal. It's about my heart and yours. And the second part is external. Um, if, if I've died to sin and death, if I now identify as someone who is alive in Jesus, why is it that I give myself to sin and to temptation so readily? That there's got to be an internal heart change my old heart, my new life. The Bible says my old life, along with all its passions and desires, has, been, has died. The Bible says I've been born again. The Bible says I'm a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. The Bible says I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, yet Christ lives in me. And if Jesus Christ is now alive in me by his spirit, if Jesus Christ is now restoring me to the kind of man I was designed to be when he designed me in the image of God, then don't I think that my appetites and my desires will begin to change as I submit myself to his help? Alex was very courageous earlier saying she made a decision before Jesus yesterday, I'm giving up my body, everything that I am, to serve Jesus Christ. When we make that kind of courageous decision as disciples, we're saying I've died to the old and I'm looking now for the help of the Savior to begin to shape something of his life in me. He's going to change my desires and my appetites. He's going to make me more Christ-like. Who's the guy on the screen there? You're wondering behind me. Um, That guy is called Roy Sullivan. 
he's one of my kind of anti-heroes. Roy Sullivan was a park ranger um, in Virginia, and uh, he's in the Guinness Book of World Records because he was struck by lightning and survived a record seven times. Um, there he is holding his burned hat, um, and uh, each time he was struck by lightning, <laughs> it was really serious, um, he, uh, his hair caught fire, uh, and uh, he took to carrying around canisters of water with him. He was a man who, began, who became one who, who genuinely feared death. He thought there was, that God had some kind of curse on him. Others who would be around him, whenever it got a bit cloudy, would run away. They thought he was a sort of bad omen and a, lightning, a human lightning conductor. Um, uh, if you thought the lightning strikes were bad, when you read into his story a little bit, you find also that Roy, dear Roy, was attacked by bears on 22 separate occasions. <laughs> He's, he's not a guy to make friends with. Should, should we hang out, Roy? <laughs> no, I, don't, I think I'm busy, actually, this weekend. Um, and then, again, please don't laugh at this, but he died in his 70s from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Um, the lightning didn't get him, uh, but a gun did. I, I just wonder about Ray sometimes. I wonder, Ray, after the first lightning strike, didn't it occur to you to get out of the park in Virginia, to get away as far as you can from the storms, to Get yourself a nice job in a city, away from bears, behind a desk, in an office with a lightning conductor on the roof. Does someone who's escaped death go back and stand in a field in a storm? You, do you keep looking for lightning or bears? Or, or, or do you begin to think, I've escaped death. I'm going to look for some kind of new purpose and direction in life and live for greater gain. Hey, we can laugh at dear old Roy, but we follow Jesus out of the grave, disciples. We get to leave our old life behind. We get to get as far away from our old dangerous desires as possible. We get to say we're not going back to that territory any longer. Let's not be believers with the power of Christ available to us that live some kind of half-life in fear of death. Jesus is much more powerful than we realize. And let me just say in passing this morning, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you're full of the Holy Spirit of Jesus, then let's stay away, shall we, from so-called believers and friends who live too near to their old life. You and I know some of them. Don't let them lead you back into the grave, disciple. Um, don't let them pull you down into their easy attitude to sin and compromise and away from our call to live and reign as liberated followers of Jesus Christ. Let's be like Joseph in the Old Testament story. He's a man of God. He's living in Potiphar's house, working as his servant. Potiphar's wife, day after day, is saying, Joseph, I want to sleep with you. Have sex with me. Joseph, every day, is trying to stay away from her. One day, they're alone in the house. Potiphar grabs Joseph. Let's, let, let's enjoy what we can now. Joseph says, no, I'm a man of God. He runs away, leaves his robes in her hand and runs as far as he can. Let's be like the prodigal son who uh, inherited all these riches from his heavenly father. Let's not be like him and then squandered all that wealth on crazy living and finding when we come to our senses, we're in a far off country, far away from the joy and the provision and the true life we're called to live in our father's house. We can throw it all away for short-term gain. It's very serious on this Easter Sunday if we're saying, I've died to sin, I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. Proverbs 12, 26 says, The righteous choose their friends wisely, but the way of the wicked 
leads them astray. So internally, when we don't live as though death has died, we get a little bit like Roy Sullivan with his burned hat and his water canister. I know there will be people here this morning. In fact, we prayed with some at our Monday Thursday meeting on Thursday evening that, that walk around under fear of death, that walk around still under the authority of words that have been spoken over them with regard to sickness and diagnoses and curses and anxiety and deep fears. And again, we say as Christians, where, O oh, death, is your sting? If I, I've, I've got hope for uh, a new life now. I've got hope for the care and protection of Jesus Christ. I've got a sure and certain hope that one day I'm going to follow this resurrected, resurrected Jesus into fullness of life, either when I die and go and be with him or when he returns, whichever is the sooner. So my prayer this morning as we come to the table in a moment is the Holy Spirit will break off any of you disciples this morning, every fear of death. And just as Christine bravely shared earlier, every lie, every mindset we've believed, every condition we're under, that the Holy Spirit will break it off through the indestructible power of the resurrected Jesus. Let me hear an amen, please. And then finally, uh, outwardly, uh, we get to live if Jesus is truly alive and if we've truly been raised with him with these kingdom assignments through our lives and our message. The early church, we've been following their progress through Acts of the Apostles Sunday by Sunday. They followed a raised saviour. It's evident, it's becoming more evident as we get through into Acts chapter 4 now in our normal Sundays that they were a new community who no longer feared death. Uh, the resurrection transformed them as a community. Why, why fear those who oppose you? Those who might reject your message? Why fear them when you follow a resurrected saviour? There's another hero of mine on the, on this, on the screen now. There were, um, over the last couple of centuries, numbers of wonderful missionaries who left the British Isles uh, and went to take the gospel to far-flung parts of the earth with weeks and weeks on dangerous boat journeys, uh, leaving Scandinavia, Germany, other places too, America, with the gospel to go all over the world. Some of those missionaries were so sure they were never going to come back that they, instead of buying expensive suitcases and trunks so that your luggage matches when you're at Gatwick Airport, they built themselves a cheap coffin and they packed their few belongings in a coffin. They bought a one-way ticket. They were prepared to live and die for Jesus and his cause. This guy behind me is James Calvert. He was a Methodist missionary and a Yorkshireman. Um, he committed his life to reaching, at the time, the unreached indigenous peoples of the Fijian Islands. 1838 was when he took his voyage over to Fiji eventually. And the ship's captain, as they were getting near, warned him many times, James Calvert, turn back. You will lose your life and the lives of those with you if you go among such savages. Listen to what Calvert said in response. We died before we came here. Have you got that? We died before we came here. Calvert understood Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. He'd already spoken to the kind of planning committee in his mind that says, no, that's not a very wise uh, step to take. He, he died to self. He died to fear uh, of death. These were brave men and women who lived powerfully for God because they realized the greatest barrier to discovering all that God has for us is the power of our old life and the fear of death. 
I've talked many times on one of my boyhood heroes. I've read his stories growing up, Jim Elliott, who went in the middle of the last century to reach one of the indigenous tribes, uh, the Alka Indians in South uh, America. And he and his uh, company were, were killed uh, as they went amongst uh, the Alkas and shared the gospel. He wrote in his journal famously just a few days before he died, he is no fool if he should choose to give the thing he cannot keep to gain what he can never lose. That's what it is to have caught the fact that you can't kill me. I've already died in Christ. If we live on mission, church, for Jesus Christ this Easter Sunday, with that kind of conviction, then you can't kill those kinds of Christians. Actually, of course, you can kill Christians. It's happening all over the world. Tony, I've not seen the news this morning. Tony was just telling me there'd be more attacks in Sri Lanka this morning. Lord, we pray for the precious church there. And for those men and women that are struggling now under grief and pain uh, and injury and death, we lift them up to you now. We pray for them to be strengthened and robust in Jesus' name. It's clear you can kill Christians, but we go on if we've died in Jesus Christ. And like the Sri Lankan believers this morning, right now, we go on living fearlessly for Jesus because on the original Easter Sunday, Jesus Christ overcame sin and death. And if he walked out of the grave, we get to walk out of the grave too and right into his kingdom assignments for our lives. We get to, be, to die to the old life. And we get to pick up this new ambition for the gospel, whether it's to the end of the earth like James Calvert or whether it's to the end of my street and your street here in Crawley. That ambition begins to become alive because I've died to my old life. Mary was waiting at the tomb on resurrection day and she was asked the question, why are you looking for the living among the dead? It's a good question for us this morning, isn't it? Why are you here, disciple of Jesus? Why are you here if you're not yet a follower of Jesus? And the, the, the plea to us from the scriptures this morning is, walk out of the grave, rise up. You're alive in Jesus Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus, leave your old life of sin behind. And go and live for him in this world with the power of his spirit alive in you and bursting out of you. Take up your assignment and really live. Make a resolution today. Jesus, if you walked out of the grave, I'm going to walk out of it too. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I'm inviting you today to begin walking with Jesus and all that that means from what we've shared in the gospel this morning and the stories we've heard. We're going to invite you all to come to the table uh, in a moment. But just first of all, for those who... Just for the handful here that may not yet be followers of Jesus, I'm just going to ask everyone to close their eyes for a moment. I'm inviting you to come and follow Jesus Christ. I'm inviting you to come into this new life in him. I'm inviting you to walk out of death and into life in Jesus Christ. I'm inviting you to walk away from some of the fears and pressures that you're holding on to right now and to say, Jesus uh, I'm, I'm giving it all up. Like Will said earlier, um, I've been trying to do it my own way, but I'm giving it all up now. I, I'm, I'm going to submit myself to your ways. If there's anyone here that's taking that step and is going to walk in that way this morning, I'm just going to invite you to pray with me. And perhaps we can all pray this out loud. It's a good thing to pray anyway. Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. If there's anything particular right now that you're aware of in your heart, just uh, again, you don't need to say it out loud. No one next to you needs to hear it. 
But uh, just say it to the Lord Jesus now, particularly for that, Lord, I'm so sorry. Let's carry on together. Please forgive me. I now turn from everything that I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me. So that I can be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness. And the gift of your spirit. Please come into my life now by your Holy Spirit. And be with me forever. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.